He drives to the right elbow. Gives it to Luka for a three straight away. He got another one. 41 points on the night for Luka Doncic. And the Mavericks get a dagger. With a minute 15 left, they're up 15. Amazing. I think we have an amazing team. And like seven in a row. Uh, didn't happen for a while. So uh, I'm really happy with the guys that we have on our team. Luka Doncic did it again. 41 points last night, 9 rebounds, mm. 11 assists, only 3 turnovers, hit 6 of 11 three-point shots, including that one called to seal the game by John Bloom on the Suns Radio Network. Um, Luka Doncic is having he's having himself a year. He's having himself a season. He yeah, is leading the NBA in scoring. He's averaging 34 points per game. His three games against the Suns this year, he's seven points above that. He's averaging 41.7 points oh per game against the Phoenix Suns. And I want to attack this from two ways. We'll All talk right. about the, the Luka problem the Suns have maybe worse than, than any other team. or you know, he, he's, he's a lot to deal with. Um, but from the Suns' standpoint, between Luka and Kyrie Irving, and they, they list Kyrie Irving as the two-guard. He's got point guard skills, and they're interchangeable, really. The Suns have a, not only do they not employ a traditional point guard, mm-hmm. they have a really difficult time defending traditional point oh, guards. Oh, that is, yeah, that is a good point, too. Yes, they do. And they and they've really have no answers for Luka. And, and one of the things last night, I just could not believe they continued to keep Grayson Allen on Luka for most of that second half. And I'm like, this, you gotta, you gotta put Royce O'Neal on him. I, Matt Ishbia did not go deeper into the luxury tax realm, you know, so Grayson Allen can guard Luka Doncic on the perimeter. It's, it's just not gonna work. And, and so and I give Grayson credit for trying. Yeah, sure. And Grayson's a pretty sturdily built guy. He, he but is. compared to Luca, he's not. No, he's not. And and listen, and Grayson's very, very competitive. Um, he has been one of the very uh, bright spots of this season so far for a guy that came here with a certain reputation and a and a good percentage of the valley that was inclined to not like him because of the Duke ties, because of the punchable face and all that. Because of his on court uh, behavior oh, at times. Too. Yeah, the, the tripping. His, yeah, right. The, all that the, stuff. The tripping and the yeah, he's he's been great. Yes, uh, but but I think that um, like you said, there was just a lot of too many things that that popped up last night. Not being able to defend a, a great point guard, making uh, just being so um, uh, so vulnerable to good offensive teams in in closing stretches of games. It's like, you know, Luka Luka knows that when he's got the ball in the fourth quarter, especially over a guy like Grayson Allen, he's got the size advantage. He can shoot over him. He can drive past him. He can body him up. He can find the open guy. And worst comes to worst, he's going to end up on the foul line. And that's a a great asset to have in an endgame situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but again, it's just you look at at the Suns and the turnovers last night, the Devin Booker plus Kevin Durant turnover, nine of of, was it nine of sixteen? Nine of sixteen. And, and the Mavericks had near thirty points and fast break or points off of turnovers, so Mavericks were making them pay. It was uh yeah, it was just it was a tough night. It really was, and and it's a it's it's a shame because I felt so good at halftime because it was just like the Suns. 
uh, the Suns started strong and never really lost control of the game. Even though Kyrie started to cook in the first half, even though the Mavs had moments, the Suns just stayed on top of them. And I thought, this is real sturdy stuff so far. And it just all fell apart in the second half. Yeah, one stretch. I mean, that's that's NBA today. Yeah, I know. And one bad right. three-minute stretch can bury you. And even the Suns came back, got to within one. I mean, O'Neal hit a three-pointer to pull him to within one, and then immediately... Dallas responded again, but here was Frank Vogel on the subject of uh, attempting to, to defend Luka Doncic. Well, we're switching a lot, so I mean, the primary defender, you know, uh, has little to do with it. Um, you know, we try to take him out of their action, and um, you know, how much double team we wanted to do was was just it was always going to something be something that we measured throughout the game, and um, you know, which wasn't enough. Yeah, uh, no. it wasn't enough, and, and they got to be scratching their heads on, on how to deal with him. You're not going to slow him down. It, it, he's a fascinating guy to watch, and you know my thoughts on Luke. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. But everything moves so deliberately, yet he gets to wherever he wants on uh, the court. It's unbelievable. It's so – and if you've played enough pickup basketball even, you've played against guys like this. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy's not quick. This guy's got nothing. He's Larry got a, Bird was very much. The he's same got way. a little bit yeah. of a booty, so he's gonna he's gonna move you around a little bit. <laughs> yes, he is. How do you not? Oh, you fr- fat! How do you not stay in front of him? It's 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 fascinating. It is. And, and uh, unlike you, I love watching him play, except for the whining and the crying and the and the ref. Uh, I hate that stuff. I mean, it drives me insane for any basketball player to do it. And he's probably about the worst in the NBA. But but again, it's he is. That, that team, that was my one takeaway last night. It wasn't just that, okay, Luca's causing us problems once again. Shut up, Jared! <laughs> Luca's causing us problems once again. It was, uh-oh, Mavericks got better at trade deadline than we did. And also, Kyrie Irving finally played for oh, them versus and, the Suns. And, and, I've brought this point up the before. handle on that, it's man. On Kyrie Irving, because he took the game over at a certain stretch. Oh. Early in the game, you're like, oh, he's going to go for 50 the tonight. The pure talent that he has. It's oh, insane. It's, it's, it's off the charts. But I've said this before, and it's, it's happening again. The national media will only talk about Kyrie Irving. When, <laughs> when he is causing problems. You're right. Last night, he goes for a loose ball in the crowd. Yeah. And, you know, gets doused with it's beer. It comes out, and then, yeah. the, the, you know, afterwards they show him, like, making sure all the Dapping fans the are fans, okay. right. That won't get talked about on national media no, today. No, no. And you're I'm right. Not, I'm, not a a Ky- I'm not a Kyrie Irving fan either, but the, the national media loves to pile well, on when he's causing problems, being difficult. Uh, you can question him as a teammate. There's nothing to question right now. Yes, he's played. He's had some injury problems this year, mm-hmm. but when he's been on the court, they're figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah, listen, we can get back into this because J.J. Redick had some thoughts about this. He, he talked about how basketball fans really don't want to be educated on basketball anymore. They just want the anger. They just want the rah, rah, rah. And again, you talk about us losing the thread as people, as a society, in terms of civility, community, humanity. Uh, he's that's a, he's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. He does. Yeah, and he said he does a video ripping a coach, and it's like people can't get enough of it. And then he did a, a video. The, the point was he did a video breakdown that was very X's and O's heavy on Zion Williamson mm-hmm. as a primary ball handler. And he said, "Yeah, I got fifty thousand views," <laughs> which you know a lot of a lot of outlets would kill for fifty thousand right. views. Right. But his comments on Doc Rivers went viral and. He had like 10 million views. He's mm-hmm. exactly right. Uh-huh. ESPN historically has had those X's and O shows, and now they're gone. They don't exist anymore. No. No. People want the conflict and drama. That's what they want. Yeah. And uh, the NBA gives a lot of it. 
<laughs> yes, they do. Turns out a lot of conflama. <laughs> That's their word again. Coming up next, we'll uh, shift things around. We'll be joined by Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Arizona Cardinals for Newsmakers Week at 7.30. But... Do uh, so, or excuse me, uh, the rush hour reboot a little bit early. Well, I can't even keep track of what we're no, doing. And, and we got to get to the bottom of this hand fruit convention. Oh, that, right. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Uh, what, Not now, but during, you got, we got to hear about let's this. Let's tack it on at the end of the reboot. All right, sounds good. Let's do it. There it's we go. all coming up next here on Bickley and Marauder Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. That's right. Just a little bit early, but we're doing it anyway. Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We are getting you caught up on everything you need to know a little bit earlier than usual today because we've got Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell joining us in studio at 730 for the final day of Newsmakers Week. I would say a a worthy person uh, to move the Rush Hour Reboot for. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hello. Vince Murata. Like I say. Like I say. Like I say. Carlin. You can't have balls flying at your face after a nose surgery. Just ask your doctor. (laughs) All right. The Suns lost to the Mavericks. That's the other thing. Luca got socked right in the bean last night. Socked in the bean. Mostly by the ball. Yeah, and by... Grabbing Grayson Allen's hand and yeah, smashing himself yeah. in the face. Stop hitting it. yourself. Stop yes! hitting yourself. Oh, childhood. Uh, the final score was 123 113. 35 for Devin Booker, 23 for Kevin Durant, 41 for Luka Doncic. He was one rebound shy of a triple double and 29 points for Kyrie Irving. It was only a three point game at the half, but the Mavs started the third quarter on a 15 0 run and then had a couple more shorter runs that amounted to a 32. Two to two advantage over seven minutes and three seconds combined. Shout out to our Kellen Olson for uh, condensing all of that and doing that math. Here is Frank Vogel post game on the effort he saw from his players. We just we didn't execute what we were looking to do well enough. Um, we had some breakdowns of what we were supposed to do, so um, you know it got congested. You know when we were trying to attack, uh, we didn't space appropriately, so uh, led to some tough possessions. But you know I'm happy with how uh, how our guys battled, but wasn't good enough. To Okay, he says he's happy with how they battled. Did you see a team see a team specifically in the second half that battled? Not consistently. No, not consistently. No. Saw it in the first half, but not in the second half. Eric Gordon talked about it after the game, said it's inexcusable to come out and play with no energy. And they had great energy to begin with, yeah. but they couldn't sustain it. Yeah. Now the Suns gave up 29 points off of 16 turnovers. Careless turnovers have been an issue really for all season long for the Suns. Devin Booker spoke to that in the locker room after the game. It's a little hard to hear, but just just press the radio to the ear, so to speak. A couple of them are just, I think two of my forwards just bonehead plays. But, you know, it's definitely something we have to fix. They don't turn the ball over much, so, you know, it, it turns into a possession game. And very similar to the playoffs, some of the most possessions you can get. We're one of the best jump shooting teams in the league, so, you know, if we get more possessions and get more shots than the other team, I think it'll put us in a good situation. To be fair, they were power washing a speedboat in the back. Yes, they were. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, so he says <laughs> turnovers are definitely something we need to fix, and yet they have not. How do you fix the turnover problem? 
Shut up, Jared. Well, listen. I, I again. I, I think. I think the ship has sailed on on hoping for a point guard to come in here and be that guy. That's just not going to happen. I think that's pretty much clear to everybody. So, I, I, I think it just has to be um, incumbent on the primary ball handlers of this basketball team to be a little more conscientious of it. I, I it, it just it, there when this turnover issue arises in games, it's really it's frightening to see how loose and reckless this team is with the basketball. That's the issue, is tightening that up. But with all due respect to Devin Booker, you got 26 games left in the season. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about this issue for 56 games mm-hmm. this season. Right, right. Either you fix it or you don't. There is no have to. That's my little twist on being Yoda today. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very wise. Fix or do not. There is no have to. <laughs> wow. That's good. Oh, wow, yeah. I don't think I heard Point that one. Guards matter not. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. We have everything here on Big Lee Morata Mornings. Don't right. we? Yeah, we Truly. really do. Um, speaking of, we will get to that hand fruit thing in a moment. Um, but let's good. talk about the, the Diamondbacks Pressing. first. Well, yes. One last note uh, for the Suns. So that concludes their regular season series between the Suns and the Mavs. The Mavs now hold the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Suns should they need it come playoff seeding time. And right now it's looking like it it might impact the Suns. So just something to keep in mind uh, when we get to mid-April. The D-backs play baseball today. They kick off their Cactus League slate against the Rockies at their shared home field, Salt River Fields. Eduardo Rodriguez was originally supposed to start, um, but now Tommy Henry is starting in his place. We've not seen him since late July. Earlier this week, Christian Walker was on Wolf and Luke, and he spoke to the team's expectations for themselves after last year's run to the World Series. What I feel around camp right now is I feel guys really excited to go out and show that it wasn't a fluke. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I think that's that's the hurdle, right? When a team comes off out of nowhere and they're hot on the scene and they go as far as we did, that's the next step, right? Was it sustainable? Is it long-term? Or did they catch lightning in a bottle? And I think the energy around the clubhouse is just, it's confident. There's theres no sign of anybody thinking anything other than that's who we are and that's thats where we're going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like, like, I knew he was pulling it up and I was trying to mime to him. I already <laughs> cut it because I knew you were going to do it. So I mm-hmm. cut it out. <laughs> Jared. Mm. Like, <laughs> should we one more just for old time's sake? Like, okay. What excites you guys most about, about this the Diamondbacks? Team? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Listen, a lot does. Um, mm. the the. <laughs> The starting rotation, as I said a couple segments ago, uh, I think the ceiling for the starting rotation is is pretty high. And uh, Merrill Kelly, one of the breakout stars of the postseason last year, Zach Gallen, um, hopefully the, the innings and the workload of recent years are not an issue this year. Eduardo Rodriguez is a fantastic pitcher. And one, two, three, that's, I, I really am digging that. And then, of course, Brandon Fought. Fought. If he's really all that, we're going 
going to uh, that's 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 foundational for a baseball team. So yeah. I'm cool with that. What I'm most excited about is that the lack of apparent gaps in the roster right now. In the lineup, they shored that up. In the rotation, they shored that up. The bullpen obviously became a strength last year. So that's that's what I'm excited about. We are all rebooted. Yes, we are. Thank you, Sarah. Rush our reboot every morning at varying times, especially during Newsmakers Week, which continues our final day of Newsmakers Week 2024. We will talk Arizona Cardinals with the owner of the franchise, Michael Bidwell, who joins us in studio next. Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings, the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, we continue Newsmakers Week kickoff day for our final day of coverage for the 2024 year. And we are pleased to uh, be joined by the owner of the Arizona Cardinals, Michael Bidwell, who joins us in studio here at the Auction Community Studios. Michael, thanks for coming in. Great uh, to see you. My pleasure. Good morning. It's great to be here again. Yeah, I want to start here. Uh, Bick and I have had a lot of conversations, even during the season, but since the season ended. 4-13 and 13 this year. But it feels so different from four and thirteen a year ago. When you look at all of the aspects of this organization, I'd love to get your perspective as, as the man in charge of this organization. How how different does this feel from last year? Well, I just say the organization is a hundred percent different than it was a year ago. And when you look at coaching, uh, Monty, what he's done, uh, our personnel, our uh, you know front office across the board, and uh, you look at last year's season, and especially when we got Kyler back over the last eight games. Um, you know, having a running game, uh, having a team that believed in each other, having a team that, that held the lead in most every game. Uh, now, we let it slip away in too many of those games, but this team believes in uh, Coach Gannon and uh, believes in the system, and uh, it's, it's great to see the team playing together and fighting, even when those games didn't count at the end, yeah. including beating a couple of playoff teams uh, You know, on the road in hostile uh, environments. It says a lot about this team and the direction we're going. There's no about it, the fact that this team always fought to the end of games and to the end of the season, that doesn't always happen on a team that isn't winning. Let's start with your general manager, as I said before we came on. It looks like you got a good one. It looks like you got a guy, a real football guy, who kind of knows what football players to kind of sign up with. No question. And keep in mind, Monty came from New England and where he was Bill Belichick's right-hand uh, personnel person up there for years. Robert Kraft told me, hey, if, if we were ever going to hire a general manager, Monty would be number one on his list. So I know we got a great one. And, and you just look at the last year, uh, the, the great success we had in free agency and, and with the draft and some of the moves that he made throughout the season. And looking at, uh, you know, we're just a couple of weeks away now from, from free agency. I'm super excited about um, you know his plan going into free agency. We don't know exactly what it is because yeah. we're not sure exactly which players will be on the market, uh, but I know we're going to be very active. We were joking off the air, and I said, well, we were a little bit disappointed that Monty didn't completely reveal his plan for us and our audience yeah. uh, when it comes to the offseason. Yeah. But with his dealings on draft day last year... Um, first time in that role leading an organization in a draft and he was a wheeler and a dealer and he set you guys up very nicely for this year and where is the confidence level what Monty says hey we're going to 
build big time through the draft. I mean, you got to be beaming with confidence about his ability to, to make that happen. Absolutely. Every Cardinals fan should be because uh, what he did last year demonstrated he's a true pro. Uh, he absolutely handled that thing masterfully as if he was a 10-year mm-hmm. veteran general manager. And the amount of uh, uh, plates that we had spinning while we were on the clock was just remarkable. Remarkable. I had never seen anything like it in my life. And I'd seen a lot of trades go down uh, throughout my, my lifetime. But that was amazing. One of the things, now let's talk about Jonathan Gannon, because obviously the, the hiring of him created some, some angst. Uh, it created some, some draft night angst between, I guess, you and, and the owner in Philadelphia. Turns out to be well worth the trouble. Um, your assessment of Jonathan Gannon after one year on the job, especially with all of that stuff that kind of prefaced his entry into the NFL. You know, I think uh, he was already regarded as one of the, the bright defensive uh, coaches in, in the National Football League. Um, what he did in terms of the step up to being head coach, I mean, the key thing there is leadership. And you just look at the way this team played, going back to that. Um, they all believe in him. All 53 men believe in what Coach Gannon is is um, is talking about and in the plan. Uh, they bought in. His staff has bought in. Uh, he went with the younger staff. That was a question mark a year ago. I think they demonstrated that they really, uh, uh, you know, age and, and, and experience uh, or something that uh, are important. But these guys uh, really did a great job, and and everybody's bought into what JG is is um, is 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 leading us through. And and I I'm just super impressed with him as well. Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Arizona Cardinals, in studio with us here as we continue Newsmakers Week uh, about Jonathan Gannon. Um, so much was made from his exit from Philadelphia. You guys hire him the day after uh, the Super Bowl loss, and he became a scapegoat, for lack of a better term, in Philadelphia. And I think there's still a lot of fans that are uh, upset with him. But um, that makes what happened late in the season with the Cardinals going in and beating Philadelphia in their on their home field late in the season when that was a big game for them. It had to be delicious for everybody involved. And I, and I, one of the things that we've talked about is that Jonathan Gannon kind of downplays all of those accomplishments individually. The first win, it was like, hey, it's no big deal. We'll, we'll do this again. He kind of downplayed that, too. It's it's just business as usual, isn't it? He did. But um, what what you, you you didn't really see is the amount of confidence that t- the team had going into that week, going into that stadium. And that's one of the most, if not the most hostile places to play in the National Football League, mm-hmm. especially at that point in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this team was so confident going into that game. Uh, I, I, it was just, it's exciting to just reflect upon yeah. that day because that was a huge win for us. It was a statement win and it was really about what this organization is going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, you know, what's funny is is you only won four games, but each of them had their own kind of flavor and they, right. were, all, they were all kind of very nourishing in ways that generally you wouldn't get with a four-win team. Alright, I, I want to ask you this. When you look at what the Diamondbacks did, Ken Kendrick, their owner, said, okay, prove to me that we're close, and then I'm going to spend. Then I'll then I'll really bump up the payroll. How do you feel about that? I know it's different in football because of the hard cap, but at the same time, as Monty said the other day, if you get involved in free agency, it generally means you're going to overpay. Right. Uh, 
where are you at as owner of this team, given the fact that uh, are you are you there now where you're ready to sink a lot of money into this? Is it all just fluid? That kind of stuff. Well, I, I, I'd go back to the, the, the extension of Kyler Murray. You know, right. we started spending on the foundational uh, parts of this roster. And when you look at going into this, this free agency uh, period, uh, I don't know exactly where we're going to spend, but Monty knows he has the resources to go out there and get the job done. And so we've talked about that at length. Um, he's going to be smart about it, um, but we know we're close. And we also know that there have been some changes in the NFC West, and it's time for us to really take advantage of of, of this opportunity. You mentioned Kyler Murray. It was an interesting year for him coming back from the injury. And I think he opened the eyes of a lot of people that may have been maybe naysayers on, on his ability to lead an NFL franchise. What was your perspective? What was uh, what, did, what did you see from Kyler Murray, uh, this version of Kyler Murray coming back from an injury? Each year I've seen uh, a step change in terms of his growth. And this year, you know, it was a little bit different because he was coming back from that injury. But as soon as he stepped on the field, the team rallied around him and you saw what he did and you look at our production on offense you know we we went from a a a good running game team to i think we were top five in the league Mm -hmm. after he stepped onto the field for those last eight games so scoring went up uh the ability to control the ball um he just brought a confidence level and a a leadership to this to the offense and to the, the to the entire team uh that i think was palpable um, given what this team did last year and the excitement and the optimism they sort of regenerated, is it your hope that the vibe at State Farm Stadium is going to get back to what it was during the B.A. era when you had a real heavy home field advantage? Now, again, there's a lot that's not in your control because the secondary market, it affects everybody, sports teams, concert mm-hmm. goers, everything. But in terms of regaining that, how important is that to you and do you think you're close? Super important. I, I, I think it'll take a little bit of time, but I think we're going to make a, a big uh, step change this year in terms of working on, um, you know, we're, we're, we've, we've expanded our sales and service team dramatically, mm-hmm. and so we're really focused on putting Cardinals fans in those seats. We can't exactly control what happens to those tickets because of the secondary market, um, but uh, we're, we're really focused on getting Cardinals fans in those seats. All right. As, as one of the young um, younger owners in the league who, who has a certain status with the commissioner, you're sort of helping push this league forward. What are your thoughts on the balance between the demand for football, the money you can generate, the profits you can generate? It's all there. You can put basically any price tag. You look at the list of the most highly rated television programs. It's all football games now. What's the line between let's max out profit wise and let's scale back and just focus on the quality and fan experience, all that stuff. Are there concerns that you have to weigh when you look at just how the growth curve of the sport and how it just never stops? I, I think you've always got to balance. Um, but I think the first thing that we look at when we're, we're meeting is, number one, player safety. We've got to continue to, to focus on that, invest in that, make the rules changes to make this a safer game uh, for all players, knowing that that's going to cascade down to college, to, to high school, and to youth football. Um, and so when we look at that, we, we know that we've got a real uh, position of responsibility. But then also we need to innovate. We, we need to keep investing in this game and making sure this game is accessible. Um, and, you know, the, you look at the youth of the of 
of America and the youth of the world, they're now starting to tune in, um, you know, as, as things are streamed. This is now a worldwide sport, and we're, we're taking the, the games, obviously, internationally. I think over the next five or ten years, you're going to see more of that international series grow. We're going down to Brazil this mm-hmm. year. You can see other countries in, in Europe that we'll be going to. Uh, it was crazy in Germany. The game you guys had in Germany was insane, the way that, how people were into it. It sold out in six or seven minutes. Wow. It's crazy uh, how oversubscribed it was, and it sold out faster than any uh, soccer match or Formula One race. <laughs> yeah. So um, wow. the, 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 the interest in football worldwide, uh, and so we've got to keep our eye on that and, and you know, meet fans where they are. Yeah. Um, you know, they're all consuming the, the product through their phones, through their tablets, um, you know, year-round uh, and, and throughout the day. And we've got to continue to make sure that we're, um, you know, we're innovating and we're, we're meeting our fans where they are. Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Arizona Cardinals, our guest here on Newsmakers Week. You, you led me where I'm going with that when, when, you, when you held up your phone and talked about the consumption on the phone and the tablets. And the NFL made headlines this year. First game ever on a streaming service was on Peacock. There's another one coming on Amazon next year. I'm a crotchety old man. I wasn't necessarily a fan of it, so, but you, I'm not one of those young people that's consuming on my phone. How more widespread do you see this becoming in the near future? Well, I think it's it, it's just a fact of life, Vince, when you think about it. More and more of what we consume, we might be fighting it. We're the old guys now, mm-hmm. but we've, we've, we've got to be uh, focused on the future of the game and the future of our fans. Um, I think it's also very important, and this is key, and I think a differentiator with the National Football League. We always make the, the game free and available over the air in the markets of the teams that are participating. So if it's Arizona versus Seattle, um, you know, Arizona and Seattle, those two markets are going to have the games uh, uh, over the air free for the fans. Uh, it'll be streamed to the rest of the country and the rest of the yeah. world. But the games have never been more accessible. And we're using streaming and that technology to make it more accessible. Well, Michael, thanks so much for uh, spending some time with us coming in. Uh, Every year you do this, we appreciate it every year. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. It's always an honor to be here. Uh, Appreciate it, Michael. Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Arizona Cardinals, joining us for Newsmakers Week 2024 here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, everybody, it's Bernsey. The Arizona Diamondbacks are back on the field today for the first time since the World Series. How high can our expectations really be for them this season? It's the Burns and Gambo Show, and it starts at straight up 2 o'clock. We've always had MLB there willing to continue to broadcast our, our games, and they did such a good job. They actually increased the number of households that we could reach last year, which is obviously a good thing. We were, we've been weighing all of our options this whole offseason. We've talked to OTA over the air, um, you know, stations, and we've had really good conversations. That's always a possibility in the future. We were looking at, at the possibility of doing a hybrid of OTA and uh, also linear with, uh, say, MLB or another entity. We, we, we have had like three good options this, this offseason, but at the end of the day, I think the, the simplest move for us and the more logical move is just to maybe stay right where we are with MLB. It's Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He joined us yesterday during Newsmakers Week, and that was one of the subjects discussed was mm. the uh, lack of a concrete broadcast deal. 
said they were close. We didn't know how close because the announcement, the press release, came out later in the day. The DBACs.TV will be produced and distributed by MLB in 2024. This, right. This got a reaction. It did. And I don't think it's an, uh, an unwarranted reaction from the fan base because it seems like they're rolling this out in steps, which might lead to some confusion, some concerns with the fans that mm-hmm. this might not be available uh, as it stands right now, yeah, on a linear television channel. By that I mean over the air, free, or one of the subscription services, cable be, television, or or satellite. That would be that would be calamitous if you ask me, especially coming out of the year oh. like the Diamondbacks just had. First of all, we we know that the the baseball demographic skews older than most every other sport, mm-hmm. which means to say this: if you were to ask a young fan who who didn't spend the last thirty years of their life watching baseball, hey, what do you think about ninety nine bucks for one hundred and sixty two baseball games for six months of fun? You might look at that and go, that's yeah, not a bad price, not a bad price at all. But if you but if you're conditioned to watching baseball for free on your regular television, this is going to be an issue. And um, it, it's it, I, I, I'm not astounded, but it's it, Derek. When we talked to Derek Hall yesterday, you were the one that asked him the question and he kind of tipped his hand that we we're probably going to announce something today. It's we're thinking that our partnership with MLB is probably our best deal. You, you hope that there's a free that there's a over the air free kind of component available for this baseball team but the way it played out though made it sound like there is, they wouldn't have uh, replied to that tweet by saying that the linear options will be announced soon or whatever right. if there wasn't if something there wasn't, but right. it sounds like it's not a done deal yet. Maybe yeah. they don't have but, the information and, yet. And they've got, and they're smart people. They, they, they know how important this is, especially coming off of the year they just had. And, and, and I think the timing of it was affected by where they are right now on the calendar. And spring training begins, the Cactus League begins today. They wanted to be able to air some of those spring training games on a television partner, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, so the, the I think that necessitated that announcement yesterday without the back end of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I read the press release when it came out like three times to make sure I wasn't missing something. Mm-hmm. Was there a mention of a television channel? And there wasn't. And there wasn't even a mention of stay tuned for the announcement on what the linear television channels will be. That's where the reaction came from. And it was it was from the, the Diamondbacks official social media account that said, we'll announce those at a later date mm-hmm. in response to a lot of people asking that question. Mm-hmm. Um you're right. Uh, I, I think there's some. I hope there's something coming because calamitous is a perfect word. Mm-hmm. If there is not that component of this viewing experience for fans after a World Series run, It'd be brutal. Where many fans rekindled their love for baseball and the Arizona Diamondbacks because of what that team accomplished, and then you say, "Yeah, hey, you like what you saw? Huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You like what you How see? Yeah, yeah, I'm no. covering it up now. Yeah. Well, right, exactly. And that will make fans very angry, and especially at a time when now um, uh, some, of, uh, some of the ire has already been sort of lit based on this whole stadium deal. There are a lot of people, I know because I've heard from them, who, who, who really are angry at the way this whole thing was presented by Ken Kendrick. And, you know, I, I go back and I listen to this and, and and I don't quite hear it to the level that some people do. Some people hear it as a direct threat. And how dare you do that? I, it didn't hit me that way. 
It really did not. But at the same time, I, I'm cognizant and aware of the people who are of the stance that give me a break. If you look at these franchise valuations of teams and what they're worth now and how the value is skyrocketing, you're really going to lean on us to help pay for your building. So and and that's very, very real. And and it's it's something we all have to acknowledge it, it to me. It's something where I, you know, I admit it. I'm biased. The idea of being a partner or being taxed in some way to have a better baseball experience. I'm actually down with that. But this stuff is more important to me than it is to a lot of people. It's funny. My, my stance on that has has definitely changed over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And and but but also the idea of corporate welfare. This is very real at a time when these baseball and, and all major league franchises are just soaring in valuation do you really need public funding to build a stadium when you know you're getting it on the back end maybe maybe the best thing is a real partnership maybe you go in with the public and then you give the city a chunk of ownership a little tiny piece to grow with the valuation of the team i don't know i i, I just know this is a lot of stuff now that's that's kind of cooking and percolating when the focus should be primarily on baseball no, I agree, uh, and hopefully this gets ironed out sooner rather than later, because again, this, they're they're riding a, a wave right now, mm-hmm. and you don't want to crash in that wave this this no. close this close to the formation of that wave, right? Um, so yeah, we'll we'll keep you updated on that situation as things develop. But a uh, little confusion on the Diamondbacks announcement yesterday, and I joked around earlier the way it was presented yesterday in that press release probably would have been better served for five o'clock today. News dump. <laughs> News dump. <laughs> yeah, that's what all the uh, awkward or bad stuff. Comes Jerry, did you finish that bagel already? Did you kill I, that I, in record time? I finished that as the rejoin music was playing. That is unbelievable. That is I'm, incredible. I, I gotta eat quickly. So that I could be ready. And you at, saw at the, that thing. That thing was like. Wait a minute. When have you ever been ready? Well, it's, um, <laughs> I don't want. That bagel looked more like a burger. There was that much cream cheese in it. I don't. I and it's gone. <laughs> I have a voracious appetite. I didn't want to. I didn't want to eat during the show because I know how much you guys hate Good. that. Yes. So I, I, I didn't even notice. I props yeah. to you, man. Yeah. You're There's getting a, better. A lot of people love Newsmakers Week for different reasons. Jared's Jared food, loves it baby. for the food delivery. The food. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, Big's got your blast on this Friday. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.